Hi guys and welcome back to the latest episode of the Rugby Collective podcast. You may be wondering why it's me introducing you this week instead of James. James is actually off on his hollybobs, unfortunately, and uh, quite selfishly left me to it. But we've upgraded, we've got someone else to jump in and do the pod. We've got Tom from Prem Rugby News. So uh, welcome Tom. Obviously second podcast appearance, isn't it? Because we did the draft last year. So welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm not, I'm not sure uh, how much of an upgrade it actually is, but uh, yeah. Um, we'll soon find out. Glad we'll to be back. We'll get uh, we'll get everyone to either praise or slam you afterwards on the on socials and see how you get on. But going to follow a similar um, similar structure to the, the way we did last week when we had Matt on. Um, we're going to go through Tom's uh, England team as if he was sat in Steve Borthwick's chair and making all of the calls. Um, and then we're going to actually focus on Paul B this week. Uh, interesting group, which we'll jump right into uh, a little bit later on. Um, so, yeah, first, take it away, Tom. We'll, we'll go with your uh, front row for England first. Um, quite a difficult one, I think. I think you've got a couple of players that are sort of nailed on. But, well, actually, I say a couple of players. I think you've probably got one player who's nailed on. And then everyone else is a bit of a, a mystery, I think. So so how would you line it up from from that front row? I think my front row is probably as boring as it gets, uh, but I've gone with Ellis Genge, Jamie George and Carl Sinclair. Uh, I think there are some other quality front rows in the squad, uh, but I think for for the big games at least, I, th- I think that's the the three that will start. Yeah, I think I think Genge and George, pretty pretty safe bets aren't they if you were putting money on who's probably going to start for this uh this ball for Akira side um obviously for their their qualities which are pretty well known now Sinclair is one that divides a lot of opinion um obviously fantastic in the the 2019 World Cup until the the final obviously um we unfortunately got knocked out kind of fell off a little bit from there not really hit the ground running as much as he would have want to in Bristol but he sort of aided as well by the lack of there's less depth on that side to the other side, isn't there? So is it his ball playing that you'd want to get out of him or, or is it sort of just general, you think he's the best option? Yeah, I I, I think uh, I agree with you. I think he has sort of fallen off a little bit from, from what we had in 2019. Obviously, that was probably one of the biggest factors of losing that final. Um, but I think, uh, I think during the Six Nations, I think he did sort of, pick up his game a little bit more. I think the way that Borthwick was using him in those games was more suited to to how he plays. Uh, and obviously those uh, small tip balls uh, that him and, him and Genge were doing, uh, I think opened up a lot of space for us uh, sort of in the wings and, and with someone like Marcus Smith at 10, perhaps. Uh, I think, it, yeah, it just gives him a bit of time to... Uh, to sort of make those decisions and make those big plays that he's known for. Yeah, absolutely. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you're a Leicester fan, right? I am indeed, yes. Cool. So you you're a bit more familiar with uh, the Bullfwick system from from the, the the past seasons than maybe a few other people. Correct me if I'm wrong, but just thinking about it now, since you've you've brought that up, the way Montoya used to play under that Bullfwick sy- system by sort of taking it to the line, often we'd see a little tip off to Genge. So I know, obviously, you're looking at Hooker and Prop there. Um, perhaps we could see Sinclair fulfil a similar sort of role with taking it to the line like that and then giving those little short ones to Genge. Obviously, we know they've got a good relationship between the two of them. Um, I, I wonder whether we'll see a little bit of that. 
Yeah, I, I, I do think that that's uh, something that sort of was a big part of Borthwick's uh, game when he was he was uh, coaching us. Um, but I, th- I think interestingly on the on the Montoya point, I think we are sort of missing a player like him in the team. I think uh, a player that you're very uh, very familiar with, uh, Varapava Ruskins. I, I think he sort of. I think he's as similar to Montoya as we could possibly get. Um, obviously, it's unfortunate he, he he plays same position as Genge, uh, so he probably wouldn't make the starting squad, and obviously he's now been dropped. Um, but yeah, I, I I think when when it comes to playing how uh, how Borthwick played with Tigers, I I think yeah we are sort of missing that Montoya uh, sort of mould. Yeah, I think I think you're probably right, and I think I think we, with the George, you would see the the sort of the uh, the playmaking aspect of it, but perhaps not. Well, I say perhaps not, almost certainly not the same sort of um, abrasive carrying as we saw from Montoya. But front row in general, I like it so far. Not a lot of surprises going into it as it stands, but I think it's a uh, it's a solid it's a solid front row, and I think in all likelihood that's probably going to be the the front row that we see going into the World Cup, isn't it? Once we are. Uh, once we have that. So one which has been causing uh, a lot of difference, I think. I think there's so many good options in the second row um, that everyone just looks at it in a slightly different way. So I'd be really interested to hear who goes into your second row. Uh, this is probably one that uh, brings out my Tigers bias a little bit. Uh, but I've gone with George Martin and Ollie Chesham <laughs> in the in the second That's... row. So the two, two Leicester locks. I like it. I'm glad I asked the Leicester question before now because that makes a little bit more uh, a little bit more sense now. But to be fair, I like that a lot. Obviously, the the big one, unless he features in the back row, would be Itoji's exclusion. Um, I've made it no secret on the pod going into the end of last season. Um, Marrow's just not he, he's not performed at the same heights that he has done in recent years. Obviously, an out of form Marrow is still better than a lot of players around the globe. But do you think maybe with the Borthwick system, obviously knowing Martin and Chesham, obviously the way that you might line up if you were you were controlling this team as well, just that sort of aggressive nature that Martin would bring you at four. And obviously we saw Chesham have a, a, an unbelievable um, tournament recently in an England shirt. So I think he's fully earned his, his number five shirt. But yeah, George Martin, take me through that one a little bit. Um, yeah, as, as you said, just uh, it's, it's just a big... Abrasive player, uh, and I think he's, I think he's just he's just getting so much better as it as he goes on, uh, and I think hopefully uh, he's he's playing this weekend against Wales. I think this will be his last sort of chance to put his hand up and go, yeah, I I, I think I need to be on that plane to France. Um, I think it 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 all really depends for me where. Everyone else is playing because so so many of them, including George Martin, can can play in the back row as well. Uh, obviously, you mentioned Atoje. Uh, I it depends when Laws is going to play. I think I think if if Laws is fit, he probably gets into the team. Um, but yeah, uh, I th- I think second row is definitely one of those positions where we're more than uh, we're yeah we, we've we've got more than enough players putting their hands up. Um, 
And then obviously one that we haven't mentioned is uh, is Ribbons, who is also starting this weekend, who I think could very easily end up on the plane as well. Yeah, I, I think so. I think you, you've also got a lot of similarities as well there, don't you? I, I'd sort of compare Ribbons to a, to a Chesham, I'd think. In a in a roundabout way, I think George Martin plays in a similar way to Laws. Both can cover the six. I think having someone like George Martin on the plane, even if he's on the bench, he can then, you've got a six cover, you've got a second row cover. You can then move it around a bit if you wanted to shift him into the second row, move move Laws out if he's starting. You've got different options there for sure. I, I like George Martin. Um, whether he's a six or a second row is probably up for debate a little bit as well, but I, I'm more than happy with him being in either of those roles. And just that general aggression, I think Wolfwood would really um, appreciate. I'm not gone too much into Chesson, but I think at this point, it sort of is what it says on the turn, and I think he's a brilliant player. Um, and he's proved it now in a Leicester shirt and uh, a Tiger shirt. I also don't think it will be too many years until we see a Chesson, Chesson second roper. Um, because, yeah, is it Lewis Chesson going very well for the under-20s? Yeah, absolutely. I, th- uh, I think he... Uh... He captained the side perfectly. I think he he definitely has that niggle. Uh, he, he got himself in a, a bit of trouble in quite a few of the games, uh, just sort of uh, winding up opposition players. Um, and when your opposition is Pasolo to Alagi, maybe that's not uh, not the right <laughs> idea. But yeah, I, I think he's definitely got that that sort of drive and that niggle that uh, a coach like Borthwick would uh, enjoy. Yeah, definitely. He's a braver man than me trying to get a, get any change out of Pesola Tulangi. That is a, a scary, scary bloke. Um, brilliant. So that's the second row sorted. I like it a lot. A bit of Leicester coming in there. I like it putting your own stamp on it. Back row. Good luck is all I'll say. Um, could go any which way, couldn't it? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the back row is very tricky. I've got my players that I, that I like, that I, that I want to see play, but there are also so many players that are just like they they've proven themselves time and time again that probably end up in the squad just on just on merit alone. Not that they're sort of out of form, but yeah, I I think there are a lot of exciting players that uh, I'd love to see. But I've gone with uh, Curry at six, uh, Willis at seven, and Willis at eight as well. I th- I think nice. uh, the, the two Willis brothers have have proven themselves in France um, and obviously uh, Jack proved himself in the Six Nations um, so yeah I, I think those two will be sort of preferred I'm, Yeah I, I'm a big fan of that obviously Curry and Willis um, Jack Willis of course speak for himself I think um, Tom Curry is pretty much a perfect six isn't he and then Jack Willis the, the jackal threat alone that he brings if if he was a, an average player outside of the jackal threat I still think he he um he gets into the conversation, but the fact he's such a brilliant player around that as well just makes him tough to shake out of that seventh spot for me. Um, Tom Willis is the one that catches the eye, I think. Um, I know we've said we're doing this on your, uh, if you were in the um, in the hot seat, but I think you compare it to, uh, when you look at it from a ballfoot perspective, he's going to want a, a visa style eight, isn't he? And I think the most visa style eight that you've got is Tom Willis. I think that's the only fully abrasive, straight line, big hit and the initial contact. I think your Billy Vunapoe has got a little bit of that, but he's also sort of a more around the park. When Mercer certainly is, Don Brandt's definitely a half-space type eight. Um, 
even look at Simmons, he's sort of a short drive power player. Um, but in terms of that initial contact, the most similar is Tom Willis, isn't it? And I think that may hold him in very good stead in terms of getting a spot on that plane. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was uh, quite a lot of the thinking behind it. Um, as I, yeah, as I said before, I think what Borthwick will do, I, th- I think he'll stick to what he knows. Um, but at the same time, I think he will also uh, have to stick to players that know how to play together um, because he has so little time. And uh, yeah, he, he'll just have to sort of, he'll have to substitute what, he wants to do with what will bring success in the short term. Um, so obviously this, this this weekend we've got uh, an 8, 9, 10 of Don Brandt, Kerr and Smith. Obviously those three players played, uh, well, have played for quite a while together um, and have, have proven that they can be successful together. So I think he'll lean, he'll lean on those sorts of um core groups of players a little bit more um, in, in the short term. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, actually. And it, it makes a bit of sense to you, you see this sort of whale side in disarray at the moment with trying to form these com- combinations on, on last-minute efforts. And if you've got those combinations pre-built, then you may as well use them and uh, yeah, implement them into your uh, into your game plan. Um, big fan of that back row altogether. Um I don't think that'd be too sim- dissimilar to what uh, I'd go for, actually. Maybe even exactly the same. I'd probably have a little look at Pearson, I think, at seven. Um, but potentially we'll know a bit more after we see him go against uh, Wales this weekend. Um, we'll go to the nine and ten. We'll have the combination with nine and ten as well. Because um, I do think that's quite important in, in, in the decision-making, the, the link-up as well as the individual players. Um who, who are you going for? I think this is probably where I get crucified a little bit um, because I'm going to go with uh, Youngs at nine and George Ford at ten. Oh, Tom. Mixed it right up. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think the, the problem I have is I, I, I keep watching back that uh, the England versus All Blacks game and the 2019 semi-final, and Young's played so well in that game, and I think, I think he still has, I think he still has what it takes to sort of lead lead an England squad that far in a World Cup. Okay, no fair, fair. So you'd go with the more control, looking at it from a game style perspective for a second, rather than just the leadership. We know obviously that Young's brings heaps of leadership and uh, experience, and. In, in a newly formed team, certainly you, you want that sort of nine, don't you, to to be in control. And um, from a game plan perspective, you're looking for more of that. I, I don't want to say slow, but sort of slower game. So you, you, you sort of uh, look away from a Mitchell or a, a Randall type player who's going to sort of be a bit nippy, and you go for you, you opt for that control in, in Ben Youngs. Yeah, I I I, I do very much like. Mitchell as a player, uh, and the other options that, that we have as well. I think I think Gus War could have could have potentially made it. Randall could have made it, but I think as uh, going back to what I said earlier, I think you have to sort of rely on those partnerships that are already there. I think that the time has sort of been and gone for testing 
testing new players and getting those new players' experience. I don't think Eddie gave any of the young scrum halves near enough, uh, near enough time to sort of settle into the international scene. So I think, unfortunately, that is sort of the position we're stuck in at the moment. Just to make a, a, a side point here, if you were to pick Ford on the bench, uh, sorry, if you were to pick Ford starting, in my mind, you'd have Smith on the bench with maybe a Mitchell. Let's go for Mitchell using because I think he's probably the closest to in terms of that sort of fast, um, fast sort of nippy nine. If you've got Youngs and Ford on the bench and you're sort of struggling at 60 minute mark, I think you then bring the reinforcements in of Randall, uh, sorry, Mitchell, um, Smith. And then maybe if he's not started, maybe you throw on a, a two Alangi at nine, at, at nine at 12, sorry. Um, and then maybe that's when you bring on a Sinclair if you, if you opted for maybe a steadier head at, at, at three to start with. Uh, Mercer at eight, for an example. I think you've got to really commit to the to opening it up, don't you? I, I, that's just my mind, anyway. What would you sort of think about that? Would you would you keep a Smith on the bench, or would you try and keep that same game plan um, going? Sort of, if Plan A doesn't work, try Plan A better. Yeah, well, I'm not sure having Smith and Mitchell on the bench is is sort of. I, I, I don't think it would work because. Um, as we sort of saw in the Six Nations, um, Borthwick just—he—he he didn't trust them to come on to come on that late and sort of turn around the game. Um, there were sure. there were quite yeah quite a few times where they'd come on and get maybe ten minutes at the end of the game, which isn't enough to sort of spin it round and and suddenly uh, turn a loss into a win. So I th- I think. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say just try Plan A uh, and try and do it better, but but maybe uh, I don't know. I, I I I don't know what the solution is when you're uh, yeah struggling with that, that game far plan. down and yeah and, and and trying to sort of spin the ship around. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Okay, so so Youngs and Ford nine and ten, very solid. Very solid. We've seen it before. We know what we, you know, what you're getting with that nine and ten combination. You're getting a very controlled game plan um, and, and a, a very good kicking call there from, from the nine and ten. Um, obviously, a big name missed out from ten who we haven't mentioned yet. Will he feature in the centres if we go for our twelve and thirteen? Yeah, I, I, I think you've got to go for Farrell at twelve, uh, and then for thirteen, I've gone for Ollie Lawrence. Uh, obviously, assuming that he's fit in time for the World Cup. Yeah, I like it a lot. I like it a lot. Well, I personally would opt for a Lawrence at 12. I think the the um, the, the the one half of me really wants to see a Lawrence and two Lange centre pair at some yeah. point, just to that pure power output um, through the centre. But I think your, your safest bet, and it would not surprise me if this is the one we get uh, in the World Cup either. Farrell playing 12. Really like Lawrence at 13, though. Um, Farrell's pretty much what it says on the tin. Um, but then, yeah, a lot. I think you have to have Lawrence at thirteen, and you you can't rely on a Slade or a Daly at thirteen outside of that ten and twelve. It, it has to be uh, a really sort of powerful carrier. I think Lawrence and Tuolangi are probably the only two options you could go for there outside of outside of that ten and twelve. Uh, yeah, absolutely. If you if you'd asked me uh, after the Six Nations, um, I'd have gone. Lawrence every day of the week at, at 13 
Um, I think since then, Tuolagi's uh, sort of he he has picked up in form a little bit. So I think potentially he, he has a shot of making that squad um, and yeah, make, making the match day teams. Uh, and obviously, I I I would love to see uh, Ollie Lawrence and uh, Manu at some point together. Um, but I, I, I'm not sure it quite. It's quite balanced enough. It works that very well sense. in fantasy, doesn't it? But when it yes. actually gets onto the pitch, it might not be quite as fluid as that. <laughs> everyone thinks. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So, yeah, I'll be I'll be honest with you. You might get crucified for that nine, ten, twelve based on a based on a lot of rugby Twitter's opinions um, or rugby X, we should say now actually. Um, mm. Okay, so we'll go for the back three. Do you carry on your back three in terms of maybe kick chasers and that sort of a thing based on your your core, or, or do we go a little bit more sort of out there with a with a couple of different selections? What we what we going for? I think that the players I picked are generally quite good at yeah, at, at chasing. Uh, if we yeah, if we look at Borthwick's Tigers team, uh, you had Harry Potter, who I'm surprised that he, he didn't end up going with and uh, has ended up leading to Australia and also not being picked over there. Um, yeah, I, I think when you look at the Tigers team, uh, it was very much centred around kick chase and, and sort of retaining um, those balls. Uh, so I've gone with Watson on one wing, uh, Max Malins on the other and Freddie Stewart at fullback, which again is quite boring uh, and probably the safest uh, picks of the bunch, but I, but I, I think, I think they're what he will go with, uh, and I think there, there, there is possibly a a chance for other players to make it into the squad. I think this weekend will uh, give a couple of those players a chance, but um, I think yeah, that those are the back three that I think both will pick, and I think are probably the right answers. Yeah, I like it. It, go, it goes with the team very nicely, doesn't it? I think um, I think one of the things that surprises me is how criminally underrated Watson is coming into this this tournament. Um, is he? Am I right in thinking he's, he is still in the squad, isn't he? Um, I was assuming that he was. Uh, yeah, I think but... I think you're. I think you're right. I think he is. From the last time I checked, I'm pretty sure he's still in the squad. Um, we'll just go with it. We'll say at the time of the recording, he definitely is in the squad, regardless. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of people see him as a uh, sort of a high ball specialist, which he's, he's obviously fantastic at. And that is one of his main, if not his primary strength. But I think a lot of people forget how elusive he is in, in open play as well. He's not slow in the slightest. He will step you in a phone box and he's just got a generally all-round brilliant game. And I think maybe the recency bias of seeing how well uh, Caden Murley's gone. I think Caden Murley would probably be in my team anyway, but the, a lot of people will instantly opt for Murley over Watson just because of how well Murley's gone recently and sort of forget about how proficient, proficient Watson is. Um, so, yeah, I like that 15. Um, it's got a lot there. You can definitely... I think if, if someone saw that and said, what teams does this guy support? I think you might be able to work it out. Yeah, potentially, potentially. <laughs> but all, all the best. It's the same with uh, same with um, 
fourth book, isn't it? We we expect that because of uh, the relationships we've got with between him and the players. So yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of that. Um, yeah, happy with your choices? Yeah, yeah. I I think just on the on the back three, uh, very quickly. I think it's been made quite obvious that uh, the Watson's sort of one of Borthwick's favourites already, uh, given he's he's uh, sort of reached out with a lifeline to him, uh, basically saying that they'll the the RFU will pay for for his um, contract during the World Cup. Uh, before he then finds a team, and that team might not necessarily be uh, Leicester, but I think he has been tearing up for us. So if we can extend that contract, uh, that will be very useful for us uh, in the season. Yeah, I, I think uh, there's been a lot of rumours about where he's going, isn't there? and um, I, I did hear that he was potentially going to London Irish, but obviously that's um, that that won't be yeah. happening now, unfortunately. Um, which is a shame because I think that would have been a really nice fit with um with Hassel Collins going. But yeah, he's got a lot left in the tank, hasn't he, Watson? And yeah, you make a very good point with the contract. Um, there's obviously a lot of admiration there, isn't there, from uh Wolfwick to get that sorted. Um yeah, I I think he's a fantastic player. And he, he uh I, I think he's he's definitely for me, he's definitely on the plane, regardless. Um whether he starts or not is potentially a different question, but at le- like at least on the plane. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think other than that, I think my team's c- quite a boring one um, other than potentially those second row picks. Uh, and depending on who you ask, I think the the back row might be a little controversial. But yeah, I, I, I think that's probably as close to what Borthwick will pick and uh, basically what I want. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Well, Everyone who's listening, drop us a message on social media at Rugby Collective. We'll drop Tom's uh, social media handles down below in the in the description as well. So go and check those out because he, he's got a fantastic page across all of his socials. Um, so go and check those out as well. And let us know what you think about um, about that 15, whether it's boring as Tom says or whether you think that's the, the right way to go, um, given a lot of the factors going into the World Cup. And if there's any changes you'd make, let us know as well. Um, right, let's, let's shift our focus on to Paul B, Tom. Um, it's, a, it's a big pool. I made a comment last week on the podcast where I said the winners are decided of this pool, so it's kind of a battle for third. Um, what, do you, what do you think of that? Because I got shot down quite quickly um, with that accusation of it might not be won straight away. But what, what are we thinking straight off the bat? Are, we, are we, the two frontrunners going to take it? Uh, I don't know. I, I sort of uh, my my view changes on it uh, all the time. Uh, I, so some weeks I think Scotland could just creep into that top two, um, but I think probably being rational, I don't think that they will. Okay, well we'll take it from the bottom. Um, so we'll go for who do you think will come bottom in this group? Uh, I'll, I'll I'll be completely honest. Uh, I don't spend a lot of my time watching Romania play much rugby. What a um, fake rugby fan you are! Don't watch the Romanian yeah. rugby. Unf- unfortunately, it's not worked into my into my schedule. Uh, I'm a busy man, uh, yeah. so I, d- I I don't watch a lot of Romania. But I think uh, it's fairly 
sort of safe to say that they will finish bottom of that group. Yeah, I think probably, probably so. Um, from what, believe it or not, I don't actually watch too much Romanian rugby either. Um, from what I've seen, from what I've read, from what I've heard, um, they're quite a big physical team. Um, so maybe they'll, they'll try and impose that as much as possible. Um, and, and that will be maybe their out. However, you look at the teams that they'll be trying to do that against, uh, Tonga and South Africa specifically. Um, I know Ireland don't potentially have as much up top as as those two teams, but with their their backs play, they'll probably fancy their chances um, over this Romanian side, I think. But yeah, I think I think bottom of the table is probably, um, as you say, a safe bet with that one. Yeah, um, I I think unfortunately, yeah, as as, as you say, they they apparently uh, a quite a physical team, uh, but yeah, I think they. They get outmuscled by, I I think they still get outmuscled by Ireland as well. Um, maybe they they'll have the edge on Scotland in the front uh, in in the pack, but I think that's yeah Scotland will, will probably use a bit of their flair. Yeah, absolutely. So next in the group, so for that fourth spot, I think this one could potentially be. Depending on your views on the, the island teams at the moment, um could potentially be a difficult one to predict, but there's probably one team in my mind that's gonna gonna actually no, I'm gonna scratch that. There's probably not a clear cut team for fourth. Who, who who do you reckon is coming into that fourth spot? I do uh, I do think that Tonga will come fourth. Um I think that the, obviously they've they've got some incredible players uh, in that team now. Uh, I think the new uh, eligibility rules uh, make that quite a bit easier, um, and uh, and we've seen all of the island nations uh, sort of be boosted by by players uh, returning from New Zealand, Australia, uh, and yeah, I, I I think they will. I think they'll make improvements, um, but I'm still not sure they quite have enough to beat any of the top three teams in that group yeah I think you're, you're probably right there I think it's it's a difficult one to predict isn't it because I think Tonga are potentially in a spot where you'd think they should be comfortable over Romania they won't be close to Ireland or South Africa I doubt they'll cause them too many problems albeit with the star power they, they have that little bit of um that little bit of flair might sort of get them unstuck in a couple of situations but then will they be tackling that um, Scotland game? Will they be focusing on that as a real potential win for them? Um, it, it could definitely be um, could definitely be that way. I'm just going to check the uh, uh, their uh, fixture list, actually, because that, I think that might be interesting to see when, when they feature. So they go up against Ireland first, and then they have Scotland as their second test. So... That could be potentially interesting to see them go at Scotland in that second game and then really sort of set the foundations for them um, there. I, I think that that Scotland-Tonga game, I think he's going to be a, a cracker, to be honest. It, it's got the it's got the potential to be a properly, properly good game. I think the I think the only chance they'd have of uh, of beating Scotland would be if they played them first game of the First game of the World Cup when Scotland perhaps aren't a hundred percent sort of ready to go, um, but at the same time Scotland are playing South Africa first, 
which I think is probably their best shot at, at toppling South Africa. And if they manage to do that, I think they take second in the group. Wow, okay. Okay. So we're going Tonga fourth. Yeah. So then third spot, you just mentioned Scotland potentially grabbing a second spot. Are you going to put yeah. in the third spot or, or do you reckon you're going to go outlandish and go second? I think it, it is between South Africa and, and Scotland for the second and third spots. Um, I think if South Africa play how they have done in the, in the Rugby Championship, I think they're definitely beatable. Um, and obviously Scotland are only one ranking below them. So I think... I, I think Scotland definitely have had the chance to beat them. Um, but if we think about how they both play, uh, it's obviously quite two big contrasting styles of play. Uh, I think South Africa probably beat them, beat them up up front. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's a tough one. Uh, I'm, I'm probably going to go with South Africa finishing second and Scotland finishing third. Yeah, I think that's probably the uh, that's probably the safer bet, isn't it? I think. Um, but I think let, let's dive into that um, that first game a little bit more than actually that Scotland versus South Africa game. I think you look at matchups around the field. I think Scotland are coming into a period where their centre pair, should they be fit going into the World Cup, are going to be huge. I think you, you look at. Um, Obviously, Tuipulotu and Hugh Jones, that the, the um, combinations they they uh, they they form now, that relationship they form at centre, is crucial to the way they play. Um, ben White has obviously started coming into fantastic form in that nine jersey. We know what Finn Russell can do, and then you got Darcy Graham coming back into the fold with Duan Van der Merwe, two of the best try scorers in world rugby. Um, also, I think just on on an aside, I think Blair Kinghorn. I think now he's sort of cemented that 15 jersey and this experiment for 10 is over. I think Blair Kinghorn, is he's always been a decent 10, but I think he's a fantastic 15. And now that he's committed to that spot in that team, in that back line, I think that is going to be a real threat. Um, and then you compare that to South Africa, as you say, in the rugby championship so far, they haven't been of the the unbeatable standard that we used to see him from them. Um Damien Dialende has come back in and perhaps not the same player that he was. Um, Lacan Yuan at, at, at 13 isn't, isn't there either, really. Maybe we're being harsh because we've seen them be the best players in the world in their respective positions. Um, Cheslin Colby seems a bit quieter than, than usual. Um, I know Arenza is looking really good, obviously, on the wing, and he, he's a, a, a real talent. He's probably the best format of, out of that back line. And... Um, Willie LaRue's solid, but I think you can pick our weaknesses in there as well. So I think you, the, the pack is going to decide that game potentially and South Africa will be hoping so. But I think the combinations, especially that centre battle, is going to be fascinating. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that Tuipilotu uh, and Hugh Jones probably have an argument for being the best centre pairing uh, in the world, I think I think there are a couple Ooh. others. I think I think Ireland's centre pairing is very strong. Uh, I think South Africans previously has been very strong. I, I, I don't think they're playing as well as they uh, as they were. But yeah, yeah. I, I certainly think that the Scottish uh, centre pairing is up there 
um, for that's a good point actually. Who who do we think then? So you got you got Scotland of uh, Turpilotu and Hugh Jones. Um, in an ideal world, you've got Henshaw and Ringrose for Ireland when both fit. Yeah, I think you probably throw New Zealand into the ring right with Geordie Barrett and Rico Ione. I think you probably. I think they're probably in the conversation at least. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I definitely think that's the. That's your three. Top, and top three, I think. Yeah. Maybe Fiji actually in the fourth spot. You probably look at um, what Tuasova and Radrada or um, Naisalavu maybe. I um, think the problem. I think the problem with Fiji is you, is there isn't really one centre pairing that sort of nailed down stands out above the rest. I think you could probably drop a couple of players in there. So potentially you argue that their centre depth is uh, is is probably one of yeah. the best. But I You're think... looking more at individuals, aren't you, than an actual pairing like your Hugh Jones and Tuipilotu. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good call, actually. I haven't actually uh, thought of it uh, sort of in that higher regard, but I, I think you're absolutely right. They're, they're definitely in that conversation, at least. Um, yeah, so I think I think that's very interesting. So we've got Scotland, sec- uh, Scotland third, South Africa go in at second, and then obviously that will leave Ireland at first. Um, take us through how you think Ireland are going to do in, in the World Cup in general. Are they going to choke by the quarters? Are they going to, um, are they going to go on and win it? How do you sort of think? Obviously, the preparation to go into it, they're looking incredibly strong. Yeah, I think if they if they make the finals, I don't think any team currently will beat them, especially not from the other side of the draw. I think the other it's it's quite obvious that one side of the draw has been uh, quite heavily weighted, and the other perhaps uh, is quite a, quite a few years behind. Um, so I, I think if they make the final, they win it. Um, which whether they make it past the quarters or not, uh, I don't know. But I'm I, I'm not one to sort of I don't, I don't believe in these in in these sort of curses or um yeah sort of traditions. So I I think the whole oh they always go out in the quarters is is not something that. I would base a prediction on uh, necessarily. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely fair. I, I do wonder whether maybe that mental block of um, the quarters, the, the sort of the the sort of media hysteria around the quarters for Ireland being a um, being sort of playing on a couple of players' minds. But I guess time will tell with that one. So before I let you go, Tom, um, so to, just to quickly round up, actually, so your your call B prediction is going to be Romania in fifth place. Tonga in fourth, Scotland in third, South Africa in second, and Ireland in the top spot. Um, so we will revisit this and we will either say very well done, Tom, or tear you to pieces for being uh, absolutely wrong when Tonga topped the group. Um, but before we let you go, oh, carry it's, on. It's, it's Romania that are going to come out of nowhere and top <laughs> the group. After we said they're a big physical pack, they're probably just going to be a, a, a team of high flyers that are going to run around everything. Um, yeah, but yeah, would love to see that. But yeah, before we let you go, shall we jump into the um, England versus Wales game quickly, just to cover yeah. it off very quickly? Um, what are we thinking? Obviously, very experimental team by uh, England, and then probably so with Wales as well, don't you think? Yeah, so yeah, certainly two teams that are quite experimental. Um, 
obviously, as I sort of alluded to a little bit earlier, I think Borthwick's gone for a mix of players that will work together well uh, with Dombrand, Smith, Kerr and Marchant. They've obviously uh, been the spine of the Quinns team for quite a while. Um, but I thought I, I think he's also mixed in players that sort of this is sort of their last chance to prove that they can be good enough to to be on the plane. I think you've got uh, Pearson. He's never been tested at, at international level, so this is his his chance to sort of prove himself. I think Smith, it, if he doesn't work with these players around him, um, that are put there to make him play as, as well as he possibly can, then unfortunately I think that's sort of his last shot to to squeeze back into the into the team. Um and then yeah you you've got a completely new lock pairing that that have a chance to sort of prove themselves going into the World Cup. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um I think just on the Smith point again, um I think when you look at a player like that, you think maybe, well, go back to your club and, and put uh, put some good shifts in and go forward. But I think from what we've seen from Quinn's, uh, seen from Smith in a Quinn's jersey, I don't know if there's much more he can do to then prove himself on the international stage, if, if that makes sense. So if you're going for selection off of club form, I don't think he can do a lot more to, to, to get his name in there. But again, I think uh, just mainly covering what we said earlier, it's, you have to play the, the Smith style, don't you, to get the best out of Smith, whereas you can put Farrell or Ford into a lot of different systems and they can adapt to the way you, you want them to play, really. Um, on Wales's team, anything you wanted to sort of go through on, on Wales' this side? Yeah, I, I think other than uh, the horrendous uh, Twitter graphic, uh, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's a bad team. I think, obviously, it, it is very experimental. Uh, you've got Sam Costello at... Uh, fly half, uh, which I think quite quite a lot of people have, have been sort of not unhappy with, but uh, have been questioning whether he's sort of big enough to be uh, an international fly half, um, which I think is slightly harsh. I, I think there are quite a few uh, fly halves uh, like George Ford, for example, who are fairly small um small players but i don't think necessarily i i don't think that necessarily limits how good they can be i think uh if you take if you take Finn smith from the uh, from the premiership for example um he is he's not a big player by any means but defensively he is so good uh, at just sort of getting himself in the way uh, he, he he tackles the big players that run down his channel, um, regardless of, of how how big he is. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's certainly not a limitation. Well, I suppose you could deem it a limitation, but I don't think it's a be-all and end-all like perhaps it, it maybe was in the past. Um, the, the one position that I'm really looking forward to, and maybe this is my Gloucester bias coming through, is um, Max Llewellyn playing in that 12 jersey. Uh, we heard a lot of positive stuff about him playing um, for Cardiff last year, um, despite um, a pretty nasty injury through the, the, the early parts of it. But the noises coming out about Max Llewellyn in um, in the training, uh, apparently he's impressed tenfold. So maybe he's gone from an outside bet to get make it into the squad to 
perhaps be in the starting 12. We know what um, Joe Hawkins did with Mason Grady last year was really impressive. And I wonder whether uh, Max Llewellyn is going to be come into that sort of role and be just offer a little bit more maybe than Joe Hawkins would in, in the carry, perhaps. I, I like Joe, Joe Hawkins a lot, but obviously with the um, with the bizarre um, uh, eligibility laws with um, with, with international players, players uh, playing abroad, um, it means he doesn't qualify, which is a real shame because he was starting to really build that that partnership with Mason Grady. Um, but yeah, I think Max Llewellyn and George North is a, a centre pair. I think that offers a lot, which will be a very interesting. But yeah, I will also echo a point about the graphic. How awful is that? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't understand how uh, how it even happens. I, I, I can understand having perhaps well, I can understand having six, seven, eight, uh, and six, eight, seven. But how how you end up with seven, seven, eight, six? Was it or seven, six, eight? Seven, yeah. six, eight. It was on the original graphic. Yeah, that's uh, shocking. Absolute stinker. But yeah, we'll look to see how that one goes. Obviously, by the time this goes out, actually, we will be uh, we will know the result and how it goes. So we'll either look incredibly silly with some of our shouts or or like uh, oracles. Um, so we will wait to see how that one goes. But Tom, it's been brilliant to have you on the pod again, mate. Um, hopefully, we collaborate sometime in the future again um, because it's always a always a pleasure to link up and do these type of things but um yeah i'm sure we'll chat a lot through uh the world cup and the rest of the premiership season but um yeah for now mate all the best and cheers for coming on really appreciate that thank you very much for having me 